everybody. Welcome back to the IGN Movies Podcast, Keeping It Real. It's Roth Cornette and myself, Chris Carl, uh, cannot join us today. This is our uh, final podcast until, I guess, the last week of July because... We don't even know what's happening Yeah, anymore. next week is San Diego Comic-Con. And we're half blind with planning. Uh, it's, already, it's already insane. So we're not going to be able to podcast next week. Um, and Chris is too good for us. Yeah, he's all like leaving early to beat traffic and stuff. I'm I don't gonna, know I'm why gonna, I'm talking like I'm from Brooklyn. Because yeah, he's too good for you. <laughs> good for you. <laughs> so we have uh, we have a few things to talk about. It's not going to be a terribly long podcast, but I do want to try and get to a couple of reader emails since the email had been kind of on the fritz for a while. Uh, let's just talk about last weekend's box office real quick. Now, Roth, you were not able to join us. Last week, or you were the week before, though, I think, right? I don't, you know, it's been it's a while. All, it's been a minute. It's been a little I'm, blur. I'm going to assume that you won. I actually wrong. did, uh, came closest without going over the actual retail price. Uh, Despicable Me 2 was number one with 85.5 million, and Lone Ranger is 29.2 million in second place. Good Lord. I, um, and we're just doing the three-day uh, box office. It was the 4th of July weekend. I, I know, right? It's actually, it's, uh, um, it's, it's a real <laughs> legitimate franchise. You know, we got to get in the family film business. We, we have made a terrible mistake. I predicted it would be number one with 82 million. And I thought Lone Ranger would be second with 28 million. Again, it was 85 and 29. So it was pretty close. Carl thought... Despicable Me 2, first place with $77 million, and that Monsters University would be second place. Actually, we both thought Monsters U would be second place, and I think it was, and I didn't write the damn numbers down right. All right, well, screw it. Screw <laughs> it, everybody I wins. Did, I, did, I guess I didn't write it down correctly. And oh, no, no, wait, Monsters U was third place. So Lone Ranger was second place with... Uh, 29 i called it 28 and then chris called it a 27 but we both we each thought monsters university would be in second place so we had the numbers we were pretty close in the numbers from lone ranger but we both pegged it for third place all right enough of that so the point is money was made basically this is except a for disney this and is, lone ranger well this is the takeaway you got to make a family cartoon you do and and johnny depp uh that is a sequel to that is a sequel and, and family cartoon. And here's here's the thing: like, it, it is was this just the tipping point really for audiences of Johnny Depp doing more of the same? Well, I'm gonna segue your ass. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying very hard to clean up my language, <laughs> and it's a challenge. Um, that's a preemptive bill. That's a I. That's just how that's how slips. committed I am. Um, <laughs> This is, you know, it's funny because we were saying in the office today that not only it's it's the one-two punch of the of the Lone Ranger and then announcing this deal with Disney today and that he's mm-hmm. going to do Alice too. I think that's where people are going to go. Okay, enough. Yeah. I think if it was just the Lone Ranger, it kind of in a way get more of a pass in the sense of like, well, yeah, it's just this goofy. Day. But then and to that go, there were a lot of factors in that he yeah. may have been the only draw, really, ultimately. Yeah, and then yeah. but to go from that to going and now I'm going to make the sequel to don't forget he's doing pirates five too. and pirates five and this overall deal with disney yeah that's he's moving just, his whole production company yeah. from warner brothers to disney now mind you he did dark shadows last year which disappointed domestically but it made money overseas well they all make money We'll see. I mean, I, Lone Ranger is actually not doing well overseas, which westerns were always a tough sell yeah. that's why they were banking on johnny depp but um but yeah alice in wonderland 2 I mean, uh, how much did Alice make? It was a billion. A billion dollars for for, the, for what is really, I mean, it is kind a of a movie. stinker. Yeah, know? I mean, I actually, but you know, he he's he was a big factor in why that movie uh, probably was so successful. And then I just want to throw out another news item in that he also uh, is attached to this movie called. Uh, Mordecai, which is based on a book called The Great Mordecai Mustache Mystery. Mordecai. And it's going to be, uh, he's reuniting with David Kep. Uh, they made Secret Window together. You know what's funny? Every time I hear Mordecai, I think of Children of the Corn. That's an <laughs> aside. Mordecai. 
But you know what's, I mean, on the topic, Johnny Depp, I find what's amazing is that we still love him. Right? Like, I feel like most people I like probably him as a person, but I'm really getting sick of his, uh, his choices. I, I, I reviewed Lone Ranger and, you know, I gave it a, a, a negative review, although mine was not half as harsh as most of them. And uh, I just, I'm just very tired of the same gimmickry in each role, the sort of bug-eyed thing, the silent movie actor thing. It's like he's still doing Benny and June 20 mm-hmm. years later. And I'm just, I'm just kind of over it, you know? Like, I just want him. And he backed out of doing this movie called Black Mass where he would have played the gangster Whitey Bulger and it would have been a different thing for him. He would have yeah. been the villain. And it would have required actual acting. And because they weren't going to meet his fee, he dropped out. He told me in the interview, oh, I'm still kind of interested in doing it. But the fact is, he's already lined up these other movies. So he's the movie's dead. Yeah. Uh, so I just, to me, it didn't, he doesn't seem like he's a particularly courageous actor at this point. I think, I think what's, what I'd really like to see from him next is just to play a human. It doesn't have to be a gangster. It doesn't have to, just a person. Even if it's a, it, you know, he even, like with the Taurus, which made money overseas, he was supposedly playing a regular person, but he still found ways to make the guy a little bit off, but at yeah. least he was back down to earth in yeah. some regard. Um, I just don't know. Like, I, I at this point, I'm fully expecting him to do like a cat in a hat suit thing and play Pepe Le Pew. I really, I really, I, I don't know. I mean, really, at this point, like, would you be surprised? No. I just think it was interesting when he did Ed, Edward Scissorhands. That was really unique, and it was a was very ballsy diff- for back then. Yeah, it was, and it was especially him. He was this heartthrob, and he said basically he was not interested in that path of of kind of being the team beat heartthrob that he was from 21 Jump Street and Nightmare on Elm Street and all that other stuff and he took this what it was ballsy path and that was cool and then he played a lot of different kinds of characters but it now he it did seems that a like, lot throughout the 90s he yeah he, and even the early 2000s he he did a lot of like could you even see him doing something like Chocolat or Before Night Falls now no, or even Dead Man I, no and it I don't know what what I'm interested in is because it's easy to dismiss it and go, oh, he's just greedy. He's making all this money, all this money from these Disney movies. And so that's why he's, I just don't, I feel like I don't really believe that. I feel like the, whatever the answer it is, it's more complicated. Why I think he just doesn't want to challenge himself as an actor. I think he likes to just go play. Yeah. And I think it's, he knows how to do these things. He's doing the same thing in every movie and. He but just he simply really doesn't. is a good actor. He is, but you know what? So is Nicolas Cage. And, and yeah. Nicolas Cage actually is a little bit more tragic in that he he really is doing it for the money because he owes so much money. Well, but because he was still... buy, buying all those islands and things. Johnny I mean, Depp he... has an island. I know Johnny Depp has an island, but Johnny but Depp can afford an island. I mean, that's the thing. <laughs> Nicolas Cage was buying islands and shit when he really couldn't be affording to do that. You mm-hmm. know, and he was taking like sponge baths and crystal and whatever else We should else do a feature doing. on how Jerry Bruckheimer has ruined perfectly good actors. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, but no. the thing is, Johnny Depp can afford an island. And we're not exaggerating, you guys, just so he you know. He actually does own an island. Literally, he owns an island. So did Nicolas Cage. Yeah. He did. <laughs> uh, Marlon Brando owned an island too. Yeah. I mean, it's then he became one. And he then he was one unto himself. <laughs> um, no man is an island except that if that man is Marlon Brando. <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, let's talk about some of the other news this week. So, the big news today is that there's actually going to be an X Force movie. Dun, 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 dun. Yes, I that just want to say for the record that one thing Johnny Depp has never played is a superhero. Uh, yeah. I'm trying to think. And uh, I, and I want to also state for the record that I still do love him, even though. I'm remember when he did Nick of Time, and that was like a big oh Johnny Depp's selling out. Yeah. Now I'd be happy if he did Nick of Time. At least yeah. he's a guy in a suit. Yeah. Although he's playing a human being in Transcendence. Hopefully, True enough. hopefully, I, I'm I'm banking on that one. Uh, but X Force, uh, Jeff Wadlow, the director of Kickass Two is going to direct, uh, well, going to script with an eye towards directing X-Force based on the, um, I believe, 1990s X-Men spinoff comic. Uh, that was the one the back in the hardcore. day. hardcore. That was the one that was, like, set in the future. It was kind of serious, and it had Cable, who was Cyclops' kid. kid. Uh, we don't know if Cable's going to be in the movie. Uh, we were just talking about this before the podcast, that we think it'll be a hybrid of the 
the new the the more recent incarnation of X Force, and then the kind of classic one, so that basically you'd get Cable and Wolverine in the movie. Well, I think the genius move in this, and and the obvious thing is that Mark. Um, Millar. Millar. And it's always so it funny. Miller? I, I think never, he says Miller, but know. it's spelled Millar. Yeah, I never know because I hear some people pronounce it Millar and then some people... I think it's Miller. I don't know, but... I think it is Miller, actually. Come to think of it. Oh, you know, double it's M. It's called old li- lying face. Oh, no, <laughs> double Double M, who is the author of Kick-Ass, who is heading up, he's basically the guy that's doing the Joss Whedon role over at Fox, is obviously doing the smart thing, which is what Fox has been doing in capitalizing on X-Men yep. and trying to figure out as many iterations universe. of that, the same way Marvel's doing, as many iterations of that as they can do, which has been pretty you know i mean yeah i mean you could you could have all these uh uh, balls in the air at the same time yeah (laughs) you could well you you really could because now the thing is like you know you you have the first classers who could be their own franchise you're gonna have with days of future past you're gonna have that merging which is gonna reintroduce you to some of these other characters you got the wolverine i mean you could really what if what if this yes what if days of future past somehow takes the young people and they end up in our present day and they basically skip 30 years that way they're young you keep the the franchise going in a contemporary setting yeah but I now mean, you've basically turned back the clock in them yeah i mean that could be a that could be a brilliant marketing move i wonder how fans would respond to that you know but then again this is kind of know. a this is kind of a reimagining anyway right so yeah um you know, what I think will be interesting for Ryan Reynolds is <laughs> if this brings Deadpool back into the picture. Think about it. Know? I mean, that could be, they've already established that Wolverine and Deadpool know each other. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> poor Ryan Reynolds, though, man. We he's just found out today. so hard. He's done so many comic book movies, and we were joking that when Blade Trinity is your high point, that's really not good because R.I.P.D., which I'd been excited for, we found out today that um, <laughs> they're screening it. There's only a, a, a media screening for it the day before it opens when all the nerd press that is would... Is that Comic-Con? Is that Comic-Con? And those would be the ones you'd be relying on. And I want you guys... Like, you guys should so know what So what does that tell means. you? Well, you? Well, if you don't know what it means, you probably know what it means if you're listening to this. It means they're essentially jettisoning it. Yeah, they are hiding it. They're sweeping it under a rug. They don't want people to see it. They don't want it written about. They don't want to talk about it. I saw some clips today from it. Uh, We have them up on the site. It looked decent. I mean, look, it didn't look any worse than a Men in Black sequel, which is not high praise, I know. But seriously, like, unless it completely goes down to shitter from the 30-minute mark on, which could be the case. I mean, it was a pretty storied production, and they ran out of money at one point because of the the kind of special effects standoff and companies going under and they were doing the effect. Maybe the movie just suddenly just takes a nosedive yeah. in quality at some point. I don't but know. We'll I, see. I mean, hopefully it's okay. They I, junketed it, which means that they're not entirely hiding it. And people, that means people did see it. I mean, here's, here's, he, there's an interesting life lesson though, I think in Ryan Reynolds, because I feel like there's all of these people that didn't necessarily have any interest in being like a superhero or playing a superhero more, any more than anybody would. Then you he know? shouldn't have abs like that. No, no, no. This is what I'm going to say <laughs> that Marvel plucked out of relative obscurity and made into a huge famous superstar because they are a superhero like your, I mean, some of them, like I think. Downey. Yeah. Like Downey. Well, he was already a huge famous superstar, but anyway. But yeah, um, I mean, it was his, it, it was rebooted his, his career, and I don't think anybody would ever said, "Hey, Robert Downey should play a play superhero. a superhero." Exactly. But then Ryan Reynolds. You could Reynolds, see him play a super villain. Exactly. It, Ryan Reynolds. Sorry, having an allergy has, attack in the middle of my podcast. He my had, our podcast. What well, an asshole I yours. am. It can be yours. <sighs> but he There's actively no has pursued it. You know, he mm-hmm. has pursued it over and over and over and over again. He has wants this probably more than any actor in Hollywood wants to be a very successful superhero. And it just hasn't worked out for him. It's just yeah. really a sad thing. But I feel like there's some odd life lesson about not not it's getting like too attached to something. It's who spend years on their passion project and then it turns into like this disaster yeah that's kind of like what i feel about that you know uh let's talking about superheroes there are a couple of things at uh, next week's comic-con 
the Marvel one-shot Agent Carter. Uh, bring back Peggy Carter for a post-Captain America um, short film. Uh, it's set post-Captain America. It's a short film about one of Agent Peggy Carter's uh, secret missions, and it's a period piece. So Haley Atwell is going to be there. She's announced all this. It, it looks cool. Uh, like the poster that they put out for it looks cool. Um, so they're going to be screening that for press and fans next week. So we'll definitely bring you the news on that. Guardians of the Galaxy, rumor has it that the villains have been revealed that Benicio Del Toro would play the Collector, this kind of intergalactic immortal who, uh, as his name would say, collects things. <laughs> um, Lee Pace is Ronan the Accuser. The Accuser. Who sounds like, you know, uh, somebody that would have been in, like, the Irish Troubles. Ronan the Chats Accuser <laughs> just, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I feel like I... I I don't know why I'm picturing like a courtroom drama. Yeah. Like. <laughs> and then Karen Gillan as Nebula, who's like this space pirate mercenary. How much do you sexy. Love I think she's blue skinned, badass. They 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 love they are loving them some Karen Gillan, as I do. She's gonna be at Comic Con. We're gonna talk about Comic Con, what you can expect there. She's in gonna a little be at Comic Con for a number of reasons actually. Uh, some other Marvel stuff. Vin Diesel confirmed this week on his Facebook page by posting a picture of himself at Marvel Studios that he did indeed have his his meeting with uh, Marvel Studios about, you know, kind of like a general meeting, but about what movie we or movies we don't know. Okay, take maybe your guess. we'll find next week. I'm thinking. I know people Luke that Cage. Are, this this is the thing that I know people that were like deconstructing the entire post were like he managed to get the word vision into it. Well, he's also in front of an Avengers comic and so I'm thinking But he's in front of giant isn't he in front of um a picture of giant He had Man. posted well, I think he could be Thanos. He could be he but then people were like, "Oh, then he's Ant-Man." Right? Like uh, or everybody was deconstructing everybody's everybody's i i think and this is my bet and you guys are probably all gonna think i'm loony but i think he's just the voice of rocket raccoon that's what i think Uh, that's actually not bad i could say that he'd be a great he is such a great voice did it we did a piece recommending different voice actors for he may have been on there i could see him as rocket raccoon um yeah I think you might be on to something, actually. That's my guess. Because he's not a cheap actor. And they're, nope. after paying Downey that small fortune, getting Vin for a voice role might not be such a bad idea. Yeah. Um, Vin's also going to be at San Diego Comic-Con, hawking himself some Riddick. Man, he. I'm so, you know, I, I am weirdly... This is weirdly excited for him. I've not, I like, I haven't met him. <laughs> I, but it's just because you see this person again, wants this so badly and to finally like actually see it come to fruition. I mean, he's got a lot of goodwill. Who'd have thought it from, from the Fast and Furious franchise. Yeah. Um, Do you think Riddick will be any good though? Do you think the? Oh no, I'm not nuts about any of those movies. Yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm not really. Not my cup of tea, but we'll see. I mean, it could be it could be fun. They're going to have um, Katie Sackhoff there as well. By the way, I don't know if you guys understand how I feel about Starbucks. Who is Katie Sackhoff from Battlestar Galactica? But you I think yourself a, a woman crush on her. I have a massive like the fact that her and Gina Carano are in the Expendables spinoff together. Just I don't not even... a spinoff. It's a it's a um, it's along the lines of it's the. It's a knockoff, if you will, of the okay, knockoff. female The female team. team. Whatever. I will I will I will be watching that is what I, we're saying. I'm sure you will. There's lady excitement. I I stopped <laughs> myself from saying something crude again. Uh let's talk about um uh, uh some comments that uh, well let's let's talk about Amazing Spider Man two. Uh Jamie Foxx's electro look was officially revealed this week in the cover of Entertainment Weekly. I thought it looked really cool. He's oh, got like awesome. that glowing blue skin with almost you can kind of see like the electricity almost in his flesh, if you will. And he's got like this sort of a uh, you know a superhero. You know, it, it looked like one of the old X Men costumes, but you know it's his electro. I'm sure it's to ground him. You know. Yeah, I thought it looked awesome. Um... I, I had I had not had those doubts though 
but I, I knew that like those snapshots on the street were taken so far out of context. Those makeups mm. aren't going to look the same on film. I thought it still looked okay, even as makeup. Yeah, it did. Yeah. But, but it's not, they've, they have designed that for what it's going to look on the cameras right. that they're shooting digital and, enhancement and for know. the digital enhancement. But those lights, just so you know, those veins and everything are built into the makeups. Like no those, kidding. That's those pretty are cool. built in. And, I suppose that's easier. Yeah. Know, and I mean, I don't know if they built in the actual lights, but they built in the veins and the yeah. lighter colors. And then, of course, they're going to digitally enhance it and he's Electro. I thought he looked awesome. Yeah, I really I thought did. it looked pretty cool. Um, now, Andrew Garfield uh, uh, said a couple of things this week. I don't know how, how tongue-in-cheek he was, but I, I, I take him at, at face value. He was saying that he was he was asking, why can't Peter Parker be gay? Why can't... Mary Jane, since they're now going to recast the role because Shailene Woodley can't do it anymore and not going to introduce the character until the third film. Why can't Mary Jane, MJ, be a man? Why can't Peter be exploring his sexuality since he's in college and all that? And I don't know. what You know, the director, Mark Webb, basically kind of like, I think his actual response quoted in Entertainment Weekly was, are you kidding me? But, you know, it's... It's definitely stirred a debate. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, is is the audience ready for um, you know they're they're used to characters being tweaked where you know a traditionally white character was now going to be played by an actor of color, mm-hmm. uh, but to change the sexual orientation of a character that was always been established as straight. Do you oh, what do you think people are the audience is, is ready for that? I, I, I think I think my own personal thing is that there's you get a divided response for sure. Well, I think this, I mean, listen, I have seen we have seen what the fan like the the here, okay. So there's two there's two or three different kind of audiences, right? There's the fanboy fan base. Then there's people that are familiar with the property, but not necessarily fanboys. And then there's your general audience who kind of know who Spider-Man is, but maybe they really only know through the Raimi films or something like that. Or the, or old the theme last song one or, or the something. old theme song or something like that. Um, generally in pop culture. And I think that, I think that you're right. I think the first step has been to take a, a character that has been traditionally white and have it be a person of color. That will get resistance. That will get resistance. But I think people accept it a little more. I, I think it's, I think it's, that has definitely dissipated a lot. I mean, it was a big deal when Michael Clark Duncan was cast as Kingpin, although Billy Dee Williams was the the first example of that when he was cast as Harvey Dent yeah. in the 1989 Batman movie. Yeah. Uh, and now, just most recently, we had Lawrence Fishburne playing Perry White. Right. But so this is my thing: is that this is always this was a topic that has come up on a few different podcasts, and people really get impassioned and they really get in, in, upset at the idea of a character being changed at all. And I think there's a couple of reasons for that where they feel really attached to the character. They they don't think you should change it for the sake of change. Um, you should only have it be motivated, have it be for a reason. But my thing is like, well, the reason is there's no reason not to. Um, or, But people feel like, well, then don't do it. If there's no reason to do it and no reason not to do it, then don't do it because I'm really attached to this character as they live. And I get that. I understand that level of attachment and like you feel like you grew up with it and you feel like you own it in a way, you know, if you really love something. I get that. I think the idea of having a gay Spider-Man, I don't really have a problem with it at all. I think it's irrelevant who he likes to have sex with. You know what I mean? What gender he really likes to have sex with. Um, I think it changes the Mary Jane character way more than it changes the Peter Parker character um, because she's very female. Do you know what I mean? Like, so, well, I mean, not just because she's a female, she's a very female female. You know, she's an actress and a movie star and glam, you know, well, not a movie star, modeling. Um, Not that men Oh, they not obviously that men do don't that do too, that. They but, do. It just. But yeah, she she is. It's not just like it wouldn't. It, you know, it's it's not like changing. I don't know. Even uh, changing, say, again, like Perry White. Like if they had made Perry White, you know, if Angela Bassett or Helen Mirren or somebody had played yeah. them, I don't think that would have been that big a deal. I mean, changing a character's gender. But I think it's when you 
when you make it changing the love interest and changing the entire dynamic of the relationship and sort of the cause of uh, some of the tensions in their relationship and stuff like that. And uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I think, I think at some point in time, somebody will try it. Somebody will yeah. try to um, take the material in that sort of new direction. I don't, but I don't think this is the time. And I'll, I mean, and the only reason why I don't think, I mean, I don't think the studio is going to risk the money yeah. um, that they would potentially lose, but we are currently in a very, it's a pressure cooker time. You know what I mean? In terms of, I don't know, it's an interesting conundrum because yeah. it's a pressure cooker time for, for things like, um, um, equity. I mean, this is Supreme court just made two big decisions. I mean, this is a big part of our culture right now. Yeah. And I think that's probably why Andrew Garfield said it yeah. just to sort of, spark yeah, we don't know debate. like what sort of leading question got that yeah. comment out of him either. I mean, you know, we know our, our fellow entertainment reporters well enough to know that, you know, he probably walked right into giving them the soundbite that would explode on the internet and get them a lot of clicks. And my thing is this, like, I understand what he's saying in terms of, like, I think that I... I really don't think this was an actual, like, real plan. I think he was just being, as the British would say, cheeky. I don't think he was even being cheeky. I think, if I had to guess, and I could be wrong, I think he was really trying to say, why can't we just have people be human beings Mm -hmm. it doesn't really matter what ethnicity they are it doesn't really matter what gender they are it doesn't really matter their sexual orientation why can't as long as a british person plays them as long as they're (laughs) british i think at the end of the day we can agree as long as they're british i think that's what he was trying to say like why why are we so caught up in these in these distinguishers that maybe at the end of the day don't really matter and at the end of the day we're all really human beings and it's a beautiful idea i think that the fan base that feels attached to a character Mary Jane and to Peter Parker, I understand how people get attached to things and they get upset. But, you know. Okay. Anyway. Well, um, the uh, speaking of British heroes, James Bond. Bond 24, officially announced this week from Sony, Sam Mendes. Is it Mendes or Mendes? I thought it was Mendes. Yeah. I, was thought, I, I always I, said again, Mendes. Again, like uh, him and Mark Miller. Maybe they should have coffee and work it out. Need to just send out a press release. Uh but he's gonna he's Skyfall director coming back for Bond 24. It is slated for release October 23rd, 2015 in the UK and November 6th, 2015 in the US. Obviously, no word on the plot. But John Logan is who also scripted Skyfall coming back to write Bond 24. So I'm very psyched. I think. It's nice that Bond is back and and sort of permanently back. It wasn't just a one and done sort of yeah. revival of the character. He's 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 got longevity again. Um I think that Daniel Craig really fought to have him come back. I mean and you I gotta mean, hand I it think to he Craig. Fought. He he has been a creative force in this series too. Like making yeah. sure that, you know, each director like you know, he fought for directors who ultimately didn't get the gig, but like he fought for Roger Michelle. Yeah who ended up backing out because he just didn't want to do something that big. But all the directors that, um, I think he fought for Mark Forster. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this I'm not is, saying this every is fight a, is worth it. I'm this saying. is what I mean about, though, I don't even think he had to fight Barbara Broccoli or, or anything like that. I think she was probably like, yeah, Sam Mendes did a great job. He was very successful. I think probably he had to convince Sam Mendes to come back. Yeah, I mean, they one. let him, they let Sam Mendes... Uh, deal with all his many theater obligations uh he's also a theater director and so he's very grateful for that he's also making penny dreadful penny dreadful for showtime let's talk about tv because it overlaps a little bit with um league of extraordinary gentlemen now you know uh, you guys might know the old alan moore comic book series uh, that basically takes all these public domain victorian lit genre heroes like Alan Quartermain, Captain Nemo, Invisible Woman, Jekyll and Hyde, uh, Mina Harker, uh, and puts them together on uh, essentially a Victorian era superhero team. It was the old, old, it was 10 years ago this week that the movie came out with Sean Connery. That Obviously, was not beloved. Not a beloved movie. It was not the franchise starter they were looking for, uh, but Fox Television developing it as a drama series, uh, thoughts on that i i'm wondering did they do that because the rights were going to 
Expire. And I believe Michael Green, the guy who wrote um, one of the writers on the Green Lantern movie, is going to be the showrunner and, and script the pilot on it. So, you know, it, it sounds to me like we need to uh, maintain rights to these, uh, to Characters, a comic book yeah. title. I, I just think it's really weird that that news came out. 10 years to the day that the like some lawyer somewhere must have been oh shit <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's, a, it's an interesting theory because the thing is yeah you could be right like maybe the rights were about to expire and you they didn't exploit them in some in medium. some in some medium and they didn't want to invest in another film but isn't tv actually a better format for that except listen we were just talking about penny drive fool it's remarkably close to this. It is it's like it fables is, and Once Upon a Time, same kind of thing. Where it's well, not right. I mean, Penny Dreadful's like you know Dracula and Frankenstein, and all. it's a monster mash, basically, um, period piece monster mash. And so to have League of Extraordinary Gentlemen come right. I mean, you know, these things happen where where very similar properties yeah. happen at the same time. I think now is a is an excellent time for fantasy like this on television so it does make sense i am looking forward to it Uh, a couple of things on on uh just news items we don't even have to really talk about but let me rattle them off james cameron said that he is going to start actively developing his long long just hitting battle angel movie after avatar 3 so it's probably starting 10 years uh, 2017 is the ballpark date he gave to f- actually starting to actively develop it and making it. Uh, Day of the Dead, the Romero zombie movie, getting yet another remake, this one from the Texas Chainsaw, the producers of the most recent Texas Chainsaw uh, movie. It's going to be made on a budget between 10 and $20 million, and they're aiming to release it next year. The Hot Wheels movie, uh, Legendary Entertainment, uh, well, Legendary Pictures, recently um, have essentially divorced themselves from Warner Brothers. They've now announced, formally announced a deal. They're going to Universal. There's going to be, you know, TV and movie and theme park opportunities there. Uh, but they're developing a movie based on Hot Wheels. And a couple of directors are circling that. One is Juan Carlos uh Fresno Dio, uh, who did 28 Weeks Later, and he was attached to Bioshock for a while. And then Simon Crane, who's a um, uh, uh, second unit uh, director, he did, and, and stunt choreographer guy. I believe he did Con Air and I want to say Tomb Raider. Didn't he just come off World War Z as the second unit? Yeah, he did War War Z as well. Good recall on Roth. You get a celebratory... Bell for that one. Oh, wow. That's the first time I have not had a, a punitive bell, I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, the Hobbit. Guillermo del Toro says that he is... Remember, Guillermo was going to direct The Hobbit. And because of all the money problems, he spent two years on it. He walked away from it. He's still not seen The Hobbit. He's been a little busy with a little something called Pacific Rim. He's been busy. And then, um, meanwhile, Martin Freeman has wrapped up. He's uh, also got a show me. in development, speaking of TV. Yeah, The Strain. The strain yeah, that one. Based he, on his book. That's been cooking for a little while, too. Yeah. Um, let's talk about Guillermo here. Uh, Pacific Rim is now in theaters. It, uh, it's, look, Roth's review is the standing review on IGN. And I agree. We, we saw the movie together. I, I, I agree with it. My only thing is I probably didn't like it as much as you, but... I think it's when your options are going to see if you want to see a new movie this weekend, either Grown Ups 2, which I reviewed and just loathed, or Pacific Rim, which I liked but had a lot of problems with. I implore you, go see Pacific Rim instead. It is definitely much more worth your, your money and your time than Grown Ups 2. That being said, Pacific Rim cost $200 million. It's only going to make probably about a fifth of that this weekend what do you what do you what do you think roth is is pacific rim first of all for those who haven't seen the review go check it out at ign movies but um and i'll embed the video review in the article too but give people the gist of the pros and cons in your eyes of this movie well i mean i think it's interesting because i've been thinking a lot about that review and my response to that particular film, because I think it's a weird gig that we have in a way, you know, where 
you can't just i know everybody's like just sit back and watch the movie i can't do that it's also that's, not our job to just sit back and watch you're my supposed to job yeah. you know and i lo- and so i understand that comment in the sense of like they just want to have that viscerally satisfying experience of course you do and my god good god bless you do it that's what you should be doing but we can't do that that's not our job Mm -hmm. um and so i went into pacific room with incredibly high expectations i was really 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 looking forward to this movie a lot um and i've seen a lot of my friends that i love and appreciate and respect come out of it and go that was the most fun i've had in years if you love ultraman you will love this and i get it i get it i i think maybe if i hadn't gone in um with the expectations that i did and maybe if i hadn't gone in where it was my job to also review it maybe that's the experience i would have had i don't know i mean what would my review of big trouble in little china have been and I bring this up for a very specific reason. No, I bring this up for a very specific reason. What would reason. five-year-old Roth have written? <laughs> I, you know, or however old I was. I don't even know. She won't say. She won't say. But this is my point, is I freaking love Big Trouble in Little China. I will watch it every Thanksgiving. But I don't know what my review of it would have been if that had been my job. But more importantly than that, I bring this up for a very specific reason because we're going to finally get to one of my core kind of disappointments with Pacific Rim. Mm -hmm. Big Trouble in Little China has a lot of silly stuff going on in it. A lot of silly characters, a lot of wacky side characters, a lot of big stuff. It's called Big Trouble in Little China. It's goofy. It's silly. But Kurt Russell is the anchor in that movie because he is so charming. Just the same way he is, you know what I mean? But that's what I mean. He's so charming. He's so funny. He's got that Han Solo badass kind of thing going on. Pacific Rim needed Charlie Hunnam, I think, to make that midsection of the movie that is like the human story, to make that really work and really sing for the rest of the silly, like the big epic silliness surrounding it and the other goofy characters that were kind of cartoony. Charlie Hunnam needed to have that Kurt Russell kind of charisma. I think that's what they're going for with Chris Pratt and Guardians of the Galaxy. Do you know what I mean by that? Because the person that really had that... I just found Charlie Hunnam really wooden and just... Devoid of pr- the 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 heart of the movie story-wise is the relationship between Rinko, his his co-pilot, and um, Charlie Hunnam's character, Raleigh Beckett. I think he just sounds Raleigh like a mi- Beckett. Yeah, he just sounds like a minor league pitcher. But. but he was supposed to be that guy. He was supposed to be Maverick from Top Gun. He was supposed to be the Kurt Russell guy. He was supposed to be the badass with a bad attitude who's cocky and he, he got was morose McWooden face. Well, but then but then the tragedy happens. Just like I mean, really, this is a trajectory we see in a lot of movies. But then the tragedy happens and he comes back this changed man, right? Mm-hmm. And I get it, but you you needed. You needed that, the Idris Ilba level of charisma, you mm-hmm. needed that level of charisma for that character. Idris is, is great in the movie. He just has gravitas. Charlie Day is fine. Ron Perlman is really good. But I feel like they walked in. Charlie Day and, and his little uh, sidekick guy, um, that just didn't work for me. Uh, for people Gottlieb. who... Yeah, for, for people who are saying that this movie has a humanity that the Transformers movies don't have. I don't know what they're talking about. To me, it didn't seem... This was the least Del Toro of Del Toro movies I've seen, and it was the most... To me, if nobody had told me that this was a Del Toro-directed movie, I honestly, I would have thought it was a Bay or Emmerich movie. I'm sorry it's going to catch me some flack, but I thought it was as kind of generic and sort of... um, impersonal as any of their kind of spectacle movies i love del toro i love him and i think that i love his spanish language i love his spanish language movies and i think that's why my expectations were as high as they were i i because i'm so fond like pan's labyrinth is really one of my favorite movies ever you know and devil's backbone yeah yeah, i I thought he would i really was like Listen, Boat Bat delivered, as I say in my review. Yeah. Like, I was so freaking excited to watch those monster fights. I like to watch fights. I like to watch the, I mean, not real real violence. She, she no, <laughs> you love hobo boxing. You send them down there, like, you know, the gray style with broken glass on their, on their fist. No, I mean, but I think what people don't understand is that 
between the first big monster robot sequence and the next one is about 45 minutes of really boring, wooden, two-dimensional character, mm. hackneyed drama. And I get, and, and this is the thing everybody's saying, they're referencing so forth and so on. I know that. I know what they're referencing. I understand what he's doing. But, but the, how is referencing good storytelling? Well, well, it can be. But here's my point with that. When people say, you have to talk about the things that they're referencing, sort of the specific... First of all, Del Toro has tried to make it make it very clear that he's not referencing things that this is all original, but it's not. He's referencing mecha anime and, and like the Toho monster movies. I get that. I get he's referencing it's it's two hundred million dollars of Ultraman, and in a way, that's mm-hmm. fucking awesome. Like for the fight sequences, that is freaking oh, damn it. <laughs> that is freaking you, awesome. You bleep yourself for know, freaking, but not it. for the the f bomb. Yeah. So that is awesome. Like I. I honestly, I was gripping the seat for those sequences. That's really cool. That's what we. That's where the money yeah. went, and they are. Except that they're but sometimes obscured by fe- rain and water. But you also, can't see ultimately, them all the time. I didn't care about any of the people who are at stake. I didn't really. To me, it was, uh, you know, it's uh, the old line about sound and fury signifying nothing. That's what it felt like to me. I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't really care if they saved the world because the the world was populated by stick figures as far as i was concerned Ooh. i mean when when i much rather would have followed um uh, ron perlman's character and sort of see an arc for him or just follow charlie day but it's the fact that you're following charlie hunnam and these you know uh top gun wannabe guys it just it didn't but, work but- they were just stock characters with no personality and and the thing is that that when you're going okay so so just really quickly my analogy to referencing things say take kill bill mm-hmm. kill bill is referencing so as tarantino does so many different movies but, but you can but characters. you don't yeah but here's the thing if you know what he's referencing it gives you a little something extra but you don't have to in order for the movie to work. The characters are living, breathing entities on their own. So they're not standees, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that every character in Pacific Rim is a standee, but the problem is a lot of it feels... It, they take so long to get to a they foregone They just feel like placeholders in between the, the fights. It, it's and they take and that would be even be more okay if it took a little less time honestly like i feel like the you know the whole like will she or won't she be his partner yeah. storyline was so silly because we've seen the trailer and we know she will <laughs> yeah. and we just are like let's get to it already i mean this it because it didn't feel like it was engaging to me it's like can't you two you see know? you're in love um well no 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 be his co-pilot just right. like will will her you know, adoptive father who is Idris Elba allow this to take place. That t- felt like it was obviously. I I hope we since we failed to give a spoiler warning before this. Um. Uh. Yeah. Shit. Sorry, guys. Um. Oh well. <laughs> I mean, have we? I feel like we haven't said anything that's not in the trailer. I'll put a well. Yeah. Put no, a, we really put a spoiler warning. I mean, they put out so many features and clips and everything but put a spoiler warning in the write-up yeah most people though just download it from itunes okay well sorry i'm really sorry damn it yeah we suck um oh well uh let's let's move on from pacific rim then i mean do can we we have a reader email question for you roth we have one for me i i and it's and it also depends on your your tv knowledge your tv let's knowledge I have any. so let's save the rest of uh well all right do you have any non-spoilery last points on pacific Rim? i mean my last points are this i feel like it's it's for whatever reason turning into there's always a sort of divisive movie of the season i feel amongst like kind of the community i, I feel like, like man of steel was already that though i feel like it's pacific Rim more than that i feel like it becomes right now it's becoming this is the greatest thing ever made and you're crazy if you don't think so or I have had some friends that have said this is horrible and these are all the reasons that it's worthless. I personally don't feel either way. Yeah. Um, it's not my favorite Del Toro movie. I do love the action and fight sequences. They were exciting to me. That was what I wanted to see. I feel like a lot could have been improved um, sort of in the what felt like to me sometimes stereotypical characters. And I, I felt like too much time was spent in that area. And some of that could have been made different mm-hmm. as happens in these films just um by yeah. slightly different actors all right so we have a question from steve for uh particularly for you roth uh he says i'm a big fan of bates motel 
uh, well, big fan of the show, I, meaning the podcast. Thank you, Steve. Uh, with the popularity of Bates Motel and A&E, do you think this could be used as a long-term setup for a psycho movie remake with an altered timeline? I don't know. I mean, there was a lot of resistance to Bates Motel before it came was aired because of that it was redoing Psycho and and people had remembered sort of some of the Psycho sequels and then because it was set in a contemporary area. I think it would be weird to make a film out of the show at this point. Um, the show's kind of on its own trajectory. Yeah. Could there be a Psycho reboot? Probably, but... I don't know if I not, I personally think that the way they've done Bates Motel and I love Bates Motel too is pretty clever. Um, where it is and is not of its origins, I don't know if I need to see a Psycho remake. Um, here's another reader email. This one from Spencer. This is kind of is along the lines of something we already talked about. Um, uh, on Twitter, Stacks mentioned the difficulty with staying objective while you write a review, especially for a hyped-up movie like Pacific Rim. My question. Is it easier to remain objective towards a movie you are not looking forward to seeing or one that you are excited for? As someone who would love to review movies professionally, I sometimes worry that I'm too ready to forgive a film of its shortcomings if I see the filmmaker trying to accomplish something special instead of just saying that it was a bad movie. Okay, this is a great question, and it is going to circle us back to Pacific Rim for a minute, which, again, I enjoyed just mm -hmm. so that people people seem to be confused about that. Um but it, I find it easier with zero knowledge. How I, I find it easier to go into, we don't have zero knowledge really about any movie that we're going to see. Um, but I find it easier once I'm really over-informed. Like I did the junket for Pacific Rim, which means that I went to ILM and did this tour and Guillermo del Toro was right in front of me telling me why they made the decisions they did with the VFX and all of this other stuff. And I talked to Stax. I talked to you on the phone afterwards and said, I don't know. I feel like I'm really over-informed. I was going to say, I wasn't at the junket. No, 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 no. <laughs> I felt like, I felt like because he's so charming, Guillermo, and I, and I was so, I mean, I sat there in that theater at ILM. But that's, the trap but of here, these but, but listen, listen, this is, I'm getting to my point, I promise. I sat there with him two feet in front of me and this huge screen and, and these amazing effects which I have such a girl would for. And I, I was, I go, I can't believe my life in this moment. I'm so blessed and I love him so much. And I thought, and what I basically, I talked to you and I thought, I have to go to what I thought right after I saw the movie. And that's the review I have to write. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like we have a professional and ethical object. Observe, um, uh, because I have a friend who came to me after he saw the movie and said he uh, he really didn't like it. Yeah. And then after that junket, he saw it again and suddenly really did. Yeah, And I'm like... I felt like I watched the transformation happen. And what happened was, is that he was so charmed by Guillermo and by our experience at ILM, which is, this is a very human thing to happen, by the way. I'm not, he didn't write in an official review. It's just his well, opinion they, changed they asked for quotes. online. Um, and I thought, come on, like yeah. the only thing that I can do in that situation is write the review of what I thought right after I saw that film. I mean, I, I do feel like, uh, just to speak for myself, you know, there are certain genre properties I've always been fond of that, you know, I have a extensive knowledge about something like a James Bond or a Batman. And, you know, maybe, maybe I've been too forgiving of movies because I maybe know something more about the material and, and filled in a blank without even realizing I, I, I had or saw something, what they were going for that wasn't as evident to most other people who didn't know like you know something about batman lore or james bond or whatever um i, I don't think you're ever gonna bat a thousand on that uh, you know um, but you have to do the best you can yeah you can't my 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 issue is more with our colleagues who are and i'm going to be actually on a panel at at um comic-con next week so if you guys are in san diego it's the it's a panel on critics i'll tweet out some some uh, details on it, but it's Rotten Tomatoes, I think, is doing it. And basically, it's going to be me and Leonard Malton and a few other people um, doing this panel about critics and dealing with feedback and dealing with readers. And 
My God, after my Grown Ups 2 review, do I have some news stories. Oh, but let, let's not oh. go down that path because we, we're, we're almost out of time. But um, the uh, but I believe it's next Friday, July 19th. Okay. I By the way, just really quickly, on Pacific Rim, the video review, on, particularly on YouTube, I think I was told 127 times to get back into the kitchen because people disagreed with me. And by the way, that's the lightest, tamest thing I was told. I was told far more horrible, mm. cruel, nasty, like to sh- fucking die. Um, oh, yeah. To die in a really bad way and how much I made it because of somebody disagreeing with me over a movie. Over a movie. Uh, IGN has... Uh, put some new comments policies in place there it's it's all over the site so i'm sure you'll read about it so uh heads up on that if you haven't heard about it already uh, we're just asking everybody to pl- play a little nicer now and stop being so volatile and uh and frankly uh <laughs> offensive i want to i want to say this that we have some colleagues that have very personal relationships with garamel and these are people that i like and respect and think are good writers that i think should have taken themselves they should have refused themselves of the review i know of a few of them who guillermo personally paid for them to go on set visits yeah i had a debate with a colleague about this the other day and he's like he didn't see any problem with that i'm like that's because you're probably one of the ones who would have gone, you know? Yeah, so it's to like me, you should take yourself out of the review at that yeah, point. You um, can't review that movie. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, final thing on Pacific Rim, because it leads into this week's box office. If it, if it tanks, and even if it opens in the $40 million range, it costs $200 million. It's going to have to really clean up overseas to be considered anything near a success. I think it will clean up overseas, though. I yeah, I mean, I hope so. I mean, but what do you think that means for Guillermo and sort of his career, at <sighs> yeah. least for the short term? I mean, I think this. I think that Warner Brothers was just made a real big bet, and that if Pacific Rim cleans up, well, most of most of the the money is coming out of Legendary's pocket. Yeah. So. Well, okay. So Legendary slash. Well, Legendary is now with Universal. Anyway, I think that a big bet was made. And then if the if it pays off, it, if it was really going to pay off, that he might have a little more leeway at that point to do something like Mountains of Madness, you know? Yeah. Um, I, if it doesn't, then he'll go back to struggling for financing for the things that he wants to do. Yeah. And that's just the reality for him. Um, it's not like he's going to go and get a paycheck to go do Hellboy 3 now because... Frankly, I don't think that franchise is particularly viable. Yeah, I mean, I think that Pacific Rim will definitely clean up overseas. I think that it would clean up. I mean, really, I think it would clean up even more if it was trimmed down a little bit because there would be less talking and translating to do. But I do think it will do well um, overseas. It's tracking here at, what, 30? Yeah, it's it's the the numbers are going to come in. It's it's doing better it's it'll probably be in the low 40s yeah or high 30s um you know i mean listen this is a film what i will be interested in is the response to this film in five years and ten years i'm interested in my own response to this film in a year or the next the second time i see it give a shit about this movie in five years no i don't think it's got the there's nothing personal enough in there beyond his passion for it which to general moviegoers they don't know and don't care uh there's no nothing personal enough in there to make you want to latch onto it well this is this is the other thing is that and and here's the thing get guillermo i guess like people are like he specifically said there was no love story except that i know that the warner brothers pr people specifically said that there was and specifically said that they wanted people to understand that there was so my guess is that some of the more muddled moments between rinko and charlie hunnam that feel like what is going on are you half-assing this sort of love story that i don't want or need um and it's not really a love story. It's a friendship piloting story. That, But he says this thing to her at the end that's very, you don't say to your bro is what I'll say. Hmm. You know, like, I'll, I won't say what it is. Spread your I, legs. I that's wonder, it was. it was spread your legs and, and, really, and was, lay back and I just mean, a tip. Look, for a family movie, no place for it, that. No there. place for that. I don't know where they were going with that. I think that maybe they. That's for maybe one for each of us for the talking like that maybe they wanted to kind of shoehorn some of that in in order to try and get that the girls in 
All right. Well, time for box box office prognostication. I think Despicable Me 2 will repeat as number one this weekend. I'm going to say Despicable Me 2, number one at $46 million. I think I think it's going to be actually neck and neck with Grown Ups 2 and Pacific Rim, but I'm going to give Grown Ups 2 the the edge because uh, it's Sandler in the first one open to $40 million. I think it's, I'm going to say Grown Ups 2, second place, $44 million. Pacific Rim, third place with $42 million. It's a good weekend for the box office in terms of any any weekend where there'll be three movies over forty million is good business in general, but I, I just yeah I think that's as good as it'll get for for Pacific Rim. Uh, what are your guesses? I'm gonna say Despicable Me two at forty seven. Okay. Um, I'm gonna say Pacific Rim at forty five. Okay. And Grown Ups two at forty four. But you know okay. you're no, you're, that actually, actually you're actually you're actually probably good. right. Mm, I because, don't know. I'm going to give you the edge on this one. I think you might. Uh, I think Pacific Rim might eke out a surprise, but we'll and, see. And this is the reason why is that Pacific Rim really is a family. It's a little kids movie. It's a really they should have been selling this as movie. a little kid movie. You I know? mean, I think you know, yeah. I mean. Because if I was 12, I think I probably would have been all over this. Yeah. You know, I think this really is a kids family movie in the guise of a big summer action, which is fine too. Like maybe that taps into your 12 year old. I, well, I don't know. I mean, hopefully opening up in limited release this weekend is VHS two, the killing season with the uh, De Niro and Travolta. It's on video on demand and then like limited, um, theatrical and then Fruitvale station, which is getting a lot of, uh, critical acclaim. So, uh, let's talk in, in closing real quick, uh, we'll, 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 we'll save longer discussions about Comic-Con for when we're back, but, uh, movies that you can expect to see, uh, covered down there are Marvel's got their panel with Thor 2, Captain America 2, likely Guardians of the Galaxy, and probably some other surprises. Um, uh, Fox will be down there with, uh, um, Wolverine and, um, Oh God! Uh, Rise of the Pla- Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. Um, they were a little coy about whether or not Days of Future Past is going to show up. Maybe it won't. I don't know. I, I would be very surprise. disappointed. A surprise. And then they also Fox now puts out the DreamWorks animation movie. So How to Train Your Dragon two and stuff like that. Um, I mean Jennifer Lawrence is already going to be there. We know that Jennifer Lawrence is going to be there for Catching Fire. That's going to be there. I Frankenstein. Uh, no Hobbit this year, but 300 Rise of an Empire, and um, oh man, I'm drawing a blank now on on. Oh, uh, Amazing Spider-Man 2 will be there. RoboCop will be there. Cloudy with a, me- a chance of meatballs too, and uh, a-, a whole bunch of stuff is going to be down there. We're gonna we're gonna be down there, and and oh, Riddick, Kick-Ass 2, pretty much you name it, it'll probably be there except for The Hobbit and. Um, Think of some other major ones that won't be going. I think that's about it. I think, you know, The Hobbit was the big question mark one. Like, would they actually come? And because it comes out in December, the second one, but new. What do you, what oh, do you, Lego Movie is going to be there. What do you think? The, the I'm going to make you predict right now the Marvel, the surprise Marvel announcement. What do you think it's going to be? I actually think you're onto something with Vin Diesel voicing Rocket Raccoon. Uh, I also think they'll announce. Uh, their phase three movies, if anything, just put up um, the title logos. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, I, I'm thinking, I, I feel pretty confident saying Doctor Strange and Black Panther. Um, I also think that maybe Thor 3. You do? Thor seems to do the best kind of internationally and stuff of the, the solo character films outside of Iron Man. Iron Man, no Iron Man 4 in the works because mm. of Downey's deal. He's only signed for 2 and 3. Although, wouldn't that be the surprise we get there? And Iron Man 4 and 20, you know. No. So, well, I'm not going to say uh, uh, never on any of these things. But, you know, who knows? I mean, maybe they'll have something about the Inhumans. There had always been talk of that. But I, I think that the safest bets would be probably like uh, Doctor Strange, 
um, maybe Luke Cage, Black Panther. Um, actually, you could do Luke Cage and Iron Fist. And maybe, I'm trying to think if there's another like team movie or a spinoff movie. Maybe Black Widow. No. No? I, w- I don't. Or maybe, it, and I'm not saying no because I wouldn't like to see it because I actually would love to see it. Yeah. But I'll bet you a lot of money that you will not be seeing her with her own solo movie unless. What about a Captain America three? Maybe a Captain America three. I mean, what I think you might see from Black Widow is something, but this would be, however, it would be in conjunction with the show, something with a couple of Shield people, mm. not just her though. What about a Submariner movie? I don't know. Could set I, him up as a villain. But here's something. here's my question. They or want a Hulk standalone movie, which has long been that's rumored. long been talked about, and and yeah. maybe the, the time is now. We have the technology. <laughs> um, would it? But is this weird because they've got Guardians? So Guardians, so a sequel to Guardians would then be in what Phase Four? Could be. I mean, I don't know. I feel like Guardians is that little bit too soon to bank on a sequel for that one. I feel yeah. like. Well, um, way too soon. I mean, they haven't even finished. Yeah, I mean that one. Well, that one it. starts filming uh, next month, yeah. and I'm sure I'm sure there'll be a dog and pony show there for that one. Um, but I, I don't know. I, I think I think a Guardians of the Galaxy sequel. I'm sure they all have sequel clauses in their s- contract, but I really think it would be a dangerous proposition to to put one on the books already for a, a movie that's their biggest question mark. If Vin Diesel isn't uh, Rocket Raccoon, I, I feel fairly comfortable that he's either Luke Cage or um, Thanos because I'm sure they'll do some sort of Avengers 2 yeah. wave since Hemsworth and Chris Evans will be there. I, yeah, I'm still, I, I'm, I'm sticking with Or my... what about a Nick Fury movie? Yeah, but that was rumored. Uh, that was rumored for. I don't. I'll be honest. I don't think so. But I could mm. be wrong. I mean, I don't feel like that character has resonated in quite the way they thought. Now, Guardians of the Galaxy was the biggest head scratcher when they announced it. Is there like, if you could pick one kind of pie in the sky thing that they would actually announce that would just drop your jaw? Uh, what would it be, Dazzler? <laughs> yes. Dazzler. Yeah. They're not going to do a Dazzler. See, movie. I think, uh, like, I bet you, like, uh, that uh, maybe a Ms. Marvel could be done or a there, Blade reboot. Maybe there, they'll announce a Blade reboot. I'll tell you. I mean, maybe I, they I'm, want Vin Diesel to play Blade. I'll be honest. Maybe. So Where, well, what's, his, what's his name going to be? Uh, Wesley Snipes. He's going to be out now. of jail. And nobody liked um, him when they made those movies with him. I, I, don't <laughs> I mean, th- fans liked his character, but people who worked with him, it was very bad. I, I could actually see Vin Diesel as the new Blade. I don't, I don't, uh, maybe, but just coming back to to Miss Marvel, I don't think there will be and and Black Widow. I don't think there will be a female standalone movie for a long time. Oh. I don't. I'm not trying to be cynical. I I'm not trying to be cynical. Maybe I'm being cynical. I just really. What if it's a She-Hulk movie with That'd Gina Carano? Awful. Oh my God! Don't say that to me. She would think about think about how long they've been trying to get Wonder Woman off the ground. Seriously, and Wonder Woman is out of all of these characters, the well, that's most. That's a dysfunctional studio behind that. I know that, but this either. is the most mainstream, accessible female superhero, probably. But other than scantily clad, muscle bound, green not, woman and throwing shit. Before you get yelling at me, it's not Who's because a of not because of who the <laughs> character is. That's not. She's not necessarily my favorite character. She's the most recognizable in the general audience. I just don't see it happening. Okay. All right. So that would drop my draw. That, that, if they announced any movie that was a female-led movie, okay. single movie, that's the most shocked I would be. All right, folks. Well, that'll do it for this week's podcast. Uh, we're going to be live streaming from Comic-Con. So keep your eye locked on IGN, or eyes if you have to, to IGN.com. Uh, all of us, all the different editors on the entertainment side will be popping up to uh, to talk at different points in the live stream. It's going to be hosted, or I should say moderated, probably by um, Greg Miller and Damon Hatfield. Uh, you know them, of course, from the game side. Uh, we're going to have some other uh, footage debuting next week from different movies. Celebrity interviews. And tons of celebrity interviews. What's we're going to have a lot of people showing up on. To, Jim? Oh, that's a very good question. Why, thank you, Roth. Uh, the Marvel panel and... 
I guess the X-Men panel. I mean, Warner Brothers and Legendary are going to be there for Godzilla um, and Seven Sun and some other ones. I'm not really, you know, but Godzilla is probably the one um, of that particular group I'm curious about. But I did already see that proof of concept reel that they showed at last year's Comic-Con. So I feel like my, my beak has already been wet with uh, with uh, Godzilla. So I'd have to say probably the Marvel panel at this point, just to know phase three wise, just to end that mystery. Uh, and Fox, if they have, if they show anything from days of future pasts, just any of the stuff of them in period costume, like Wolverine looks like Neil Diamond or Elvis with, in that the 70s awesome. version of it with the mutton chops. But um, what about you, Roth? What are you most looking forward to? Well, I'm not going Besides to... drinking. Well, mostly drinking um, and carousing. There's an interview that I... There's two interviews that I have scheduled that I am i don't want to talk about because I don't want to jinx them. Then don't. So I'm not going to, but them, which I will say when we get back, um, there's certain people that I'm really excited to meet. Um, but panel-wise, I don't know how much I'm actually going to be in yeah but i i am going to be in the doctor who panel and i'm looking forward to that very cool um i'm going to be in the walking dead panel and i'm looking forward to that i also forgot the sony panel amazing spider-man 2 and robocop are ones that i'm curious I know, about and i'm not going to be in any of those i'm not going to see any of those panels i'm going to be at the marvel press line while you're at the panel i think mm. well you'll probably you'll probably get the first comments then from from the folks after they announced their phase three stuff. You guys, stuff. I'm so stressed wouldn't out. It be, is, I don't like not knowing. Wouldn't it be such a, just a pain in the ass if they still stay coy about phase three? Yeah, it will. It will. Because that means I got to, my job is then to try and get them to say something that they are unwilling to say. Oh, well. All right, folks. Well, thank you uh, for listening. Give us a shout out over on iTunes. Uh, drop us a line at keepingitreal at ign.com. Again, no podcast next week. We'll be at, back the week after Comic Con, opening up next weekend. Bunch of stuff. Red Two, R.I.P.D., The Conjuring, and Turbo. So a lot of a lot of big movies coming out next week. We'll have some reviews for them uh, throughout the week. Um, oh, also Escape Plan. They're doing a fan screening of Escape Plan at Comic-Con, which Schwarzenegger and Stallone showing up to introduce it. So that'll about do it for this week's podcast. Thank you all for listening, as always, and we'll catch you next time.